Read that one more time, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If I could this evening, I want to start out by saying this. There are many, many, many divisions throughout the word of God that have to be made in order for you and I to understand our Bible. All right. Now, again, I said this two Wednesdays ago. You really have to focus and pay attention on purpose. Uh, I'm not going to run and jump and holler and sweat tonight. All right. I'm going to teach the Word of God, and uh, we do this time to time. I, I haven't done it a long time, really. Take a study and just slow down. But I really feel like in the day and hour we're living, uh, this may this may be the majority of the year. I don't know. Don't take my word for that. If the Lord puts it on my heart uh, to just go through on Wednesday nights and teach doctrine. You know what we're, the, the hour we're living in? Strange doctrines. And I know there's always been false doctrine. This ain't new. I understand that. But it is magnified. Uh, there are truly doctrines of devils on every corner. And I for one do not want to stand before God. And he say, why didn't you teach the sheep that I gave you? the doctrine of the Word of God, and they got carried away with some other wind of doctrine. So I'm going to do my part. Now, whether you receive it or not is up to you. But there are many divisions. We see this in our text that we just read. It says study. Amen. It don't say pastors study. It don't say if you're a preacher or deacon or a leader in the church. That's all of you. And I wonder if we took a if we took an honest, everybody be honest poll tonight, how many people studied this week? I'm not talking about read a psalm a day and, and, and pat yourself on the back. I'm talking about took time to study your Bibles. I well, I didn't necessarily think that was a big deal. Well, it is. It's not just for me to do. It's for you to do. We should all be students of the Bible. Study to show thyself proved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed. Look here. Rightly dividing... The word of truth. So if God tells us to rightly divide, I would dare say there are divisions to be made. We're looking tonight at dispensational salvation. Now, dispensational is dispensation is a Bible word. It would blow your mind, the people that go to church faithfully Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, and they have no idea what a dispensation is or what dispensationalism is. What is that, preacher? Well, it's how you rightly divide the word of truth. A dispensation is simply this. It's a time. There are different dispensations throughout the word of God. And God works within those dispensations in different ways to reach different men and different heirs. Things that are different are... We're going to say that about six million times over the next few weeks. Uh, Abraham did not believe God the same way you and I believe God. Now, Abraham believed God. Abraham had faith. It was counted unto him to righteousness, but it was not like our faith. It was not in the same thing that we have placed our faith in. So things different are. All right. So there's divisions. Things are different, divided within the Word of God. The root word of dispensation is dispense. What does that mean? Well, we believe here, according to the King James Bible, that God has dispensed His revelation progressively. That means over time, a process. Does everybody understand what progressiveness is? Progressively. God has dispensed the revelation 
progressively throughout the pages of the Word of God. In the beginning, we understand God created the heaven, the Bible said, and the earth. What do we find in Revelation? The Bible said God's going to destroy this earth. There's going to be a new heaven and a... And so there's a process from the first to the last. All throughout the Bible, you'll find progressive revelation. In the end, we not only have a new heaven and a new earth, but the Bible lets us know that uh, we are going to experience a time where both heaven and earth come together. And do you realize at first that's, that's the way God created this, this world? Uh, it was heaven on earth, essentially. When Adam and Eve were here, there was no sin. There was no thorns, no thistles. There was no travail and childbirth. There was no sin. But because of the sin of Adam in the garden, we understand that things changed. Meaning God began to work differently in each dispensation. Think about the word Genesis. You know what the word Genesis means? Have you ever read the book of Genesis? It's simply generations. It means genes. What did this thing start with? A man and a woman. Can I get a loud amen? It was not two men that produced Cain and Abel or two women. It don't work that way. Common sense tells us it does not work that way. But nowadays you can identify as a kangaroo if you'd like. But God created man and woman. And He did so in the book of Genesis or genes or generations. And that's where we find the first Adam. Now... The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and just stay with me for a minute. We'll look at some places. But the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Who is that last Adam? The Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's progressive. We're going to look at the Old Testament. What is the Old Testament? It's a picture that's been painted for everything to come through progressive revelation. Didn't all just happen one way at one time, but God has dispensed who He is, how He works, salvation in different ways through different dispensations. The Bible starts with a family in Genesis, Adam being the head. The Bible ends with the last Adam, Jesus Christ being the head over the whole family. The new heaven, the new earth. It consists of two, actually three groups of people. You know what you find in the, in the end of this thing? We find new, a new heaven, a new earth, and new Jerusalem. There's three there, okay? And so that's why the book of Revelation is penned and it leads us into the dispensing or the dispensation of the revelation. So, Again, I'm going to say this. Dispensationalism, it is the gradual dispensing of progressive revelation. That's how everything in life works. Uh, can I say things that, that are just starting? They progress over time. Why? Well, that's God's way of doing things. That's His order. Uh, example, anybody have a newborn baby that's eating ribeyes right now? No, it don't happen. They might try to, but they can't do it. Why? Because it's a process. It's progressive. As things grow and, and, and go on, things change, God has worked that same way within the pages of the Word of God. Uh, children, they don't, they don't start off caring for themselves, but eventually, when they start getting older, what do you tell them? It's time to do something for yourself. It's progressive. Why is that? Well, because the author of all creation, who is God, shows us even in creation... 
how that He dispenses things over the course of time. Things grow, they mature, they, they, never, they never end the way they start. And so mankind grows gradually from the womb to the grave. It's a gradual process. Uh, I've got all these illustrations, won't give them all tonight, but I've got trees. They don't start off as a 50-foot tall oak tree. They start off as a little acorn in the ground, uh, a seed. And so it's all progressive. In the Old Testament, we find pictures and types of Christ, but we do not find Christ. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Now, I understand that there's, there's, there's pictures we can point to and say, well, that was Jesus. And I believe that, but not, not the same way that we see Him in the New Testament. Uh, I believe when Jacob wrestled, it was with the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord that came to Mary and announced she's going to have a baby. Guess who that was? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the angel of the Lord is Jesus. I can show you that in the Bible. That's a different study for Christmas time, but it is Jesus. So Jesus announced His own birth to Mary. Well, how can he do that? He's God. He can do what he wants to do. And so we see that, types and pictures. We see the blood of bulls and goats. We see Isaac and the, and the lamb that's provided on, on, in Moriah. We see the temple that's built by hands. Why are you saying all this? Because I'm letting you know that God starts his word with the object of progressive revelation, dispensationalism in mind. Why is it that we read about the temple? And the, and the priest going in and, uh, and him having to be so... And we're going to look at some things tonight. Hopefully I can get there. Um, that he had to be sanctified just to go into the holies of holies. And there was a veil. And we, all, we know that. And the temple. And, then, and the Bible lets us know this. They tie a rope around his ankle. Because if he went back there and he was not right with the Lord, he would die. And if he wasn't coming out and then bells weren't ringing, they put pomegranates and bells all over their attire. Uh, the priest in the Old Testament. And that's so they'd know they're still back there. It sounded like jingle bells back there. And when they got quiet and they didn't didn't come out, they started pulling a rope. And sure enough, here he'd come. And so what is all that? It's progressive. It's letting us know now that veil's been rent. The temple is now us. We are the temple. And uh, we have access into the Holy of Holies through our great high priest, which is without spot, without blemish. The Old Testament, we find circumcision. Uh, we find physical circumcision in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we find the spiritual. You, listen, you cannot understand why you can be saved forever if you don't understand spiritual circumcision. That's, that's the main reason people are scared to death that they're going to go to hell every time they mess up. They don't understand spiritual circumcision. What is spiritual circumcision? Colossians chapter 2. You can write this down. I want you to take notes through all this, by the way. Colossians 2, verse 11. The Bible said, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. If it didn't ever say nothing else, that's good enough. It says it's not a, it's not a circumcision made with hands. Everybody understand what circumcision made with hands is, don't you? Okay. I'm not wanting to have sex ed tonight, but we all understand what that is, right? So what is a spiritual circumcision not made with hands? It says it's the circumcision from the flesh, the body of sins. Uh, it's a circumcision by Christ. Verse 12 says this, Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the uh, of operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. 
It says, And you being dead in your sins and, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Somebody ought to thank the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, when you get saved, God took all those things that kept you from being a child of God, kept your sin from being righteous, your your who you are. You are a sinner. You're a two dip. You're a twice dip sinner. You're a sinner by nature. You're born to sin. And then you're a sinner by choice. And that's why Isaiah one eighteen says, "Come now, let us reason together," saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Though your sins be as scarlet, anybody know what scarlet means? Twice dipped. That's what it means. Look it up. Matter of fact, scarlet is harder to remove the stain of scarlet than it is jet black. Scarlet penetrates. But Isaiah said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. In other words, though they be undoable. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be. What is that? It's progressive. It's prog- Hello? It's progressive. Isaiah didn't know nothing about that, but he's preaching something that was to come. Shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That twice dipped. That's what that word means. You're a sinner by nature, a sinner by choice. And only the blood of Jesus Christ can remove the sin stains from your soul. And so how do we stay that way? How does the Bible say that we are without sin once we get saved? Spiritual circumcision. I'm going somewhere. Just hang with me. So then we see also that spiritual baptism. There is no spiritual baptism in the Old Testament. Um, there's physical baptism. There's no spiritual baptism. We are baptized into the body of Christ when we get saved. The Old Testament saints knew nothing of that. It's progressive. Why? Why? Why do we see John uh, preaching baptism for repentance? It's just progressive revelation. It's a different dispensation. It's the Jews, and uh, and so what? So. Where do we draw the line? How do we divide this thing up? Well, we're going to try to teach you and look at that, all right? So, it's progressive. This dispensed differently. Uh, in our text, we do find the key that unlocks all biblical truth. Study to show thyself proved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There are divisions to be made in the word of God. And again, things that are different are... All right, you need to memorize that. Things that are different are not the same. You can't run me to the Old Testament and try to apply it today. We're not in the Old Testament. Why? Because things that are different are. They weren't saved by grace through faith. I mean, you don't have to really even be a student of the Bible to know they could not place their faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ when he hadn't even been born. He hadn't died. Now, we see the the prophecy of him coming to die on the cross all throughout the Old Testament. But it hadn't taken place yet. Alright? So, uh, you cannot change something. It is what it is. We're living in a day and hour where surgeries can make anything possible. i got news for you. Whatever you add or whatever you remove, it does not change your gender. You are what you are. I really don't care what you change your name to and what you cut off and what you add on and what you lift and what you drop. It makes no difference to me. You're born either a man or a woman. You cannot take something from the Old Testament and make it something that it is not. I've said this. I was taught this growing up my whole life. My preacher always said this. 
and it's it's been it's it's implanted into my heart. This is what he said. You can make the Bible teach anything you want it to teach. And you can. How we got a bunch of false doctrines? Well, they make the Bible teach anything. Well, they, they run over here to, to uh, the apostles walking up and casting out devils or making a blind man see or what have you, speaking in tongues, which they don't even know what it is, but we do, thank the Lord. It's not... That's not what it is. When they spoke in tongues, they preached and every man heard in his own language. I can prove that to you. So what, where does all these doctrines come from? Well, they'll read a verse where they spake here with new tongues and Holy Ghost and fire and this lady started preaching and this and that. And they just they make the Bible teach anything they want to teach. So here's what I was brought up being taught. And boy, I'm so thankful for it. You can make the Bible teach anything you want to teach. But catch this. You cannot make it say anything you want to say. And so I'm not afraid of their verses. Matter of fact, I embrace them. Matter of fact, I know where they're going before they go there. And that's a blessing. Because I can then show them, okay, yes, I know that it's in here. But to what what dispensation? Three things you must know as students of the Bible. If you're going to understand your Bible, you've got to know these. Who's writing? How are you going to read a letter if you don't know who in the world's writing it or who's receiving it and understand it? It's just words on a page. You can't really grasp it. Who's writing? We understand that all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. We understand that men's hands and hearts were moved. We understand God is the author, but He used men to write different books of the Bible. Who's writing? Who are they writing to? Look here. If the context is to the Jew, it's not for you. Now, now pay attention to this next statement. All of the Bible, excuse me, I, I, I actually should say that different. It is for you, but it's not all to you. All this Bible is written for you. It's all for you, but it's not all to you. So how can it be all for us and not all to us? Well, because I can take you to the Old Testament and and preach on the tabernacle, the temple, physical circumcision. I, I can preach on the, their faith and good works, and I can make an application, but it is not doctrinally to you. It's just for you. And what you need to do in that Old Testament is look for Jesus because He's all over the place. That's basically... That Old Testament, it's all types and, and pictures. None of our doctrine, none of it. I need somebody besides three preachers to say amen. None of our doctrine comes from that Old Testament. None of it. We do not get doctrine from the Old Testament. We don't get all of our doctrine from the New Testament. What do you mean? Yeah. Look, there's things that are written even in this New Testament to the Jew. To the tribulation Jew. To those tribulation saints. Paul's dip my God bless his heart. He's having to deal with the sign seeking Jew, the crazy Gentiles, and all of them in between when he first God sets him apart. And he's our preacher. He's the preacher to the Gentile. All of our church doctrine comes from Paul's writings. All of it. Yes, Every bit of it. Okay? 
So why are you saying all that? Because if you don't know how to rightly divide, somebody's going to take it to the New Testament. And they, they say, okay, well, your Old Testament ain't for you, but look over here, over in 1 Corinthians right here, it says Paul's dealing with tongues right here, and that's the New Testament. Okay, but he's talking to Jews. Unbelieving Jews. Sign-seeking Jews. Does everybody understand the importance of rightly dividing? Because you are not going to... You are going to feel it. You're going to know you're right, but can't explain why, you, why you're right. It's not about you being right or me being right. It's about the truth. And knowing the truth, what God said, okay? So i got to hurry on through this. And I've already mentioned it, so I'm not going to hit, but where's all these other religions get their doctrine? King James Bible. That don't scare me a bit. I'll sit down with any of them. Matter of fact, I've never sat down. I've never. I have sat down with a very few. Very few will do it. I have sat down with a few. Both of us opened our King James Bible, and he said, "Well, what about this?" And I can take mine and explain it to him. It's not about it. Well, I just don't interpret that way. It ain't. It ain't our place to interpret it. There is no private interpretation. We got to rightly divide. So, what is dispensation? It's it's a it's a time period. In which God deals differently with men in different ways about different things. And one of the big ones is salvation. Salvation. You've got to understand dispensational salvation. Uh, dispensation is a Bible word. I won't make you turn there. We'll flip together here in a moment. But 1 Corinthians 9.17 is the first place you'll find the word dispensation. 1 Corinthians 9.17, the Bible said, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation... Of the gospel is committed unto me. Ephesians 1.10 is the second time you'll find the word dispensation. The Bible said that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together and warn all things in Christ, both of which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. The third mention of the word dispensation is Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 2. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 2. The Bible said, If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. And then the last mention of the word dispensation is it found in the book of Colossians, chapter number 1, verse 25. And it says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Again, all the word dispensation means is dispensing. It's God's way of dispensing gradually, progressively, uh, over a course of time. So... Um, take your Bibles with me. Let's, let's, let's look around a little bit. Go to Hebrews chapter 1 tonight. Hebrews chapter number 1. God does not, has not spoke to man the same way uh, from the beginning of time. It's different. And I'm going to show you a verse on that. Hebrews 1, look at verse 1. The Bible says, God who at sundry times and in divers, means different, diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So, verse number one, God who at sundry times in diverse, different. Does everybody understand that? Diverse, diversity, different. God, who at sundry times and in different, 
diverse manners spake. So right there, he speaks differently. But look in verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his... He didn't always speak that way. Okay? Different things that are different are... God speak in diverse manners unto the fathers by the prophets. How did he speak in the Old Testament? I just read it to you. By the prophets. Meaning he spake in different ways to generations of men. God sometimes would speak. A voice would come out of a fiery bush. Uh, God spoke different ways in the Old Testament. Okay? And so, Hebrews. It's a very interesting book. Let's go to, let's go to uh, chapter 2 real quick. I'm going to show you things that are different are not the same. Dispensational salvation. We're going to get there. I'm laying a foundation. If you don't get the foundation, the rest of it's going to fly over your head a hundred mile an hour. So that's why I'm doing this. I'm just proving to you that God does things differently, and there are divisions in the Bible. Hebrews chapter two. Look at verse number five. Hebrews two five. The Bible said, In "Front of the angels hath he put not in subjection the world to what." So that's not the world now, huh? The world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou uh, that thou visited him, visiteth him? Um, verse 7, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, didst set him over works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put... All in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all the things put under him. Does everybody see that? What's it talking about? Look at verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You know what this is talking about? It's talking about the world to come. The Bible just said in verse number 9, or verse number 8, He's put all things, thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not yet all things put under him. In other words, all things are under him, but we have yet to see all things be put under him. What are you saying? It's talking about the world to come. It's talking about the second coming. It's talking about New Jerusalem. It's talking about when God will rule and reign on the earth, this world. That is not now. Hello. Has anybody walked through Walmart lately? He's not ruling this earth. He's not. You know, a lot of people that don't know their Bible would be greatly offended by this statement. He is not the God of this world. Well, He made it. He's the God of everything. Not according to His Bible. He's not the God of this world. He will be. But he's not yet. What do you mean? Well, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 said, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shine unto them. You know who that's making reference to, don't you? The devil. So who's the God of this world? Who is running this world? Satan. That's why we are in constant opposition. That's why anywhere and everywhere you go, the majority of people you know, it's, you're all the time feeling like this if you're a Christian. You feel like you're in a corner having to claw your way out because we're, this world is not being ruled and reigned by God. 
But so if so if if God's not the head over the, over the world, what then? I mean, what what's he is he on vacation? What's he the head of right now? I mean, what's he doing? Ephesians chapter one. Turn there. I almost feel a little bit of preach right here, and I'm gonna try not to. Look in Ephesians one. This Bible is so liberating; it will open your eyes. Listen here, you don't have to be saved for 35 years and still be a dummy. And I'm not trying to be mean. Still be a dummy in the Word of God. You don't, I don't want you to be. Does everybody understand what I'm trying to tell you? I want you to know your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 1, look in verse 22. And, and the context is dealing with Christ. And if you need to see that, you can go up verse 17 or verse 20 or, or whatever. Start at the beginning where Paul's dealing with church of Ephesus. But right here he says, and hath put all things under his feet. Now that sounds just like what we just read. That all things are under his feet, but not yet are all things under his feet. Paul tells them, he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the what? He is the head of the church. He is over the head of the church. All things concerning the church are under His feet, but not the world. Why? Because it's the world to come. So things that are different are, if it's a world to come, that means it's not came. What's it talking about? It's talking about when He comes the second time and all that progressive revelation. It's been given to us. We can read about His second coming, but it's not taking place yet. Why? Different dispensation. We are not living in that dispensation. It will be a new time period where God does things differently. Guess what happens in the Great Tribulation? Do you think there's going to be a great evangelical tent crusade to sweep the... The, the tribulation world in those seven years and they're going to set up a pulpit and a keyboard and a, and a bass player and a sound booth and they're going to open their Bible to John 3.16 and preach the gospel and they're all going to run down during the great tribulation when there's flying women, lying teeth, long-haired jungle things flying around eating people. You think they're just going to believe the gospel and say, Lord, forgive me my sin. I believe the gospel to save me. No! It's not going to work that way. You know what they're going to have to do? Endure to the end. And die. You ought to thank God that you can get in the way you can get in. They're going to lose their heads for it. Martyrs. Why does it change? Because things that are different. The world is going to be completely different. During that time, that's why God again goes back. Guess what's coming? Guess what the Antichrist is coming with? No coincidence we're living in a day of strong delusion already. It's done here. Strong delusion, seducing devils. How many people across the world tonight? Everybody, and I hate to be the, 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 the man peeing on everybody's parade, but do you want to know the truth or not? Everybody in America is experiencing revival right now. And why are the bars still open? Why are people still lost and meaner than the devil? 
Why has our world not experienced any change if all these people, hundreds of thousands of people, I see it every day on Facebook, our country's in great revival. Why can we not tell? Because I can take you to every move of God that was real, and guess what happened? When revival came to town, it was real, it lasted. Guess what happened? Bars closed down for good. People got saved right with God. Uh, Enemies quit being enemies over petty things. When revival, we're not in revival. We're not seeing revival. That's not to say God can't send it, but we are not seeing it. What are we seeing? The same, the spirit of Antichrist. You know what he's coming to do? You know what he's coming with in his pocket? In his right pocket, signs. And in his left pocket, wonders. That's what he's coming. What are we seeing? Signs and wonders. Why? Because the devil, that spirit of Antichrist, has always been a replicator of the Son of God. And Jesus came unto His own. His own were the Jews. Salvation was to the Jew first, then to the Gentile, to the Greek. That's why the Bible says, for Jews require a... And so He's mimicking the salvation of the Lord when He came to the Jew. He's going to win the world through signs and wonders. We are not saved by signs. I need a loud amen. We are saved by the sacrifice of the Son of God. If I have to say Honda, Suzuki, Toyota, Kawasaki, Bombardier to know I got the Holy Ghost and Jesus died for absolutely no reason. Agreed? Why do you even die? I mean, why? If, if all we got to do is gather an altar and everybody lay their hands over me and start, you know, head jerking and speaking in ungodly tongues and Holy Ghost and fire can rise up from my big toe, come out the crown of my head, and then all of a sudden my tongue's loosed and that's all I need. Well, Jesus should have stayed on the throne. And then that same crowd's going to say, if you drop a hammer on your toe and cuss like all of us have, Well, you lost again. Are you serious? So he died. He hung on the cross for those all them hours. He got his spit in his face. They plucked his beard out. They punched him. They cussed him. They gambled over his robe. They sunk thorns that long into his forehead. They ripped his back open with 39 lashes. They shoved a spear through his side and burst his heart. They gave him vinegar to drink mixed with gall. I mean, all the, they did all of that. So you could lose your salvation with a cuss word? I'm frustrated by that. There's too much in this Bible to know that Jesus said in this dispensation, we are saved once He died for sin, once and for all. We are saved forever. And we don't need a sign. We got a Savior. If you walk up to me in church and hit me in the forehead, I'm punching you. I don't need your touch. I got his. I don't need your signs. I've got his completed word of God. I'm running a little bit sideways this, this time, but I'm not meaning to. But all of it comes from a lack of being able to rightly divide the word of truth. They're going to run you to where the apostles are dealing with Jews and say, right here. It's, and then I love this one. When the last days he's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh and, and then they're going to speak with tongues and, and all. Hello? Are you, reading, are you reading the context? What's it talking about? 
in the last days? The Jews. Because again, salvation changes in that dispensation. The church is gone. We've been raptured. And it's a different time period. It's different, the different revelation and things that are different are. It's so simple. It's so simple. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do all that. But it's, it's the day and hour we're living. And I wish I could get up here and say, thank God, let's get together in the altar tonight and thank the Lord that America's in revival, but she's not. And I'm not trying to... Everybody accuse me of being critical. No, I'm not, I'm not being critical. Everybody says, well, my God, that brother down there. I had to turn the comments off. Y'all see my post? I didn't even say nothing about the stinking revival. All I said was, I'm going to deal with my church about it. All y'all's fighting on Facebook. I ain't doing that. I'm going to deal with my flock. I did throw a little comment in there about it being charismatic, but that's all it took. And I had to turn the comments off for people bombarding me. I could read you messages that would make you plug your ears and crawl under a rock. It's nuts the way people have talked to me. Over, and, but, but the Lord's on that. Are you, are you with me? Let me do something. I can find it. Let me see if I can find it. It, it, it's, it's, It's absolutely unbelievable. If I can't, it's it ain't no big deal. Let's see here. Hmm. I don't know how to look it up. Hold on. I'll find it. Maybe send it out later. I have to edit it. It would blow your mind the things people have said to me over that. Things such as, I hope you're such and such, terrible names. I've not even told her this. Wife dies brutally and your children are raped. Your church burns down and you go to hell. All because I said it's not scriptural. It's not biblical. I can see what kind of spirit's coming out of there. No further questions. <laughs> you hope my blankety blank and blank and ugly wife. By the way, my wife is hotter than bacon grease. And you better not tell me otherwise in, in, in my presence. I am going to break your neck. And ain't nobody going to rape her. And if you need to see how I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen, I can show you. I got plenty of artillery. And my children are not going to die and go to hell. And I'm not going to die and go to hell. My church ain't going to burn. It might burn down. If it does, hopefully the insurance will pay for a new one. I'm saying all that to say this. There is a spirit on this stuff. But it ain't the spirit of God. And the reason people do not see it is this one verse we started off with. Study. To show thyself approved unto God, a workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Again, I've said this from day one. We're stuck on the revival thing tonight. Didn't mean to. Did some people go there that are ignorant, don't know the Bible, didn't look into it, out of genuine curiosity and maybe seeking the Lord? I'd say there was some. But the whole thing's built upon heresy. Women preachers and 
And, and I didn't know this, but I went and read the statement of faith, and they believe in all the signs and wonders and healing, gifts, and they was doing all, they was, all that was going on. And that's why I never j- jumped on the bandwagon. It wasn't because they sang a song I didn't like. I went to the Bible to see what was going on and said, whoa, that don't line up with Scripture. Some said, well, you can't put God in a box. Time out. God put Himself in one. I don't have to put Him in a box. He doesn't put himself in a box. And it's called the King James Bible. He cannot contradict his word. I can't put him in a box, sure, okay. But I can put him in the Bible. And when things start going on contrary to the book, it is not of God. And they're going to run you and say, well, over here they've done this again. Things that are different are. Sorry, I didn't mean to run all that, but whatever. So he's the head of the church, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. All right, one day he will be the head over all things. And uh, that's that second coming of Jesus Christ, all right? So, um, I, you don't have to read all these. I'm just going to hurry through them and try to read them to you. And let me see where I'm at on my time. Okay. Uh, Matthew 12, 32, whatsoever, or excuse me, and whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Makes reference to that. Mark ten thirty, uh, he shall receive a hundredfold now this time houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands, persecutions in the world to come, eternal life. Who shall not receive manifold more in this present time in the world to come, life everlasting. So it's making reference some to second coming, some to eternity. Um, Hebrews we've already read chapter two verse number or excuse me chapter six verse five says hath tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. That is the theme of Hebrews. Okay, that's the theme of Hebrews is uh, the world to come, second comes all to the Jew. And I said this two Wednesdays ago, and I think it came out wrong. Um, there is applications to be made concerning church doctrine in Hebrew, uh, in the book of Hebrews. And you can, you can take some of that and, say, and, and, and make an application, uh, which we can in any book. Okay? So, those that claim salvation has always been the same are in contradiction of the Scriptures. Now, there's a few things I want to look at. Go with me to Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm hurrying along best I know how. Uh, The book of Hebrews makes reference to the blood under the law. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come. Does everybody see that that's not the same? The law having a shadow of things to come. Things that are different are. Alright. Shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered. Notice that never, never means what? Never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. What sacrifices? Verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me, and burnt offering, sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, 
It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the what? To establish the what? By the which we, uh, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Somebody say those last three words once for all. And every priest standing standeth daily ministering, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, hello. Glory to God. Hammer on toe, cuss word out, not going to hell. Okay? I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not advocating just go out and live like the devil. It's not what I'm doing. But I am trying to get you to understand long hair to your rear end, wearing skirts all the time, chain face, looking like you walked out of a, a morgue is not going to get you any more to heaven. Hello? Some women need to wear makeup. Can I get a witness? Bad enough with it. Alright, I don't want to see them without it. Hello, come on somebody. It's okay to laugh and giggle. But I'm saying all that stuff is so senseless. It's not biblical. Now, I don't think you need to walk around looking like you're trying to sell something. I mean, you don't need to have eyelashes look like diving boards, you know. I, I mean, don't look like, you know, you... you, you Got makeup that thick, and when it gets above eighty, it just starts peeling off like, like it's a, a plastic layer of another skin or something. But what I'm saying is, they use all these things, and and, and this is this is how we get in right here. We just read it, okay? This man, verse twelve, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Uh, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So we just read earlier that those Old Testament saints through the blood and bulls and goats, they could not be made perfect. But what we just read, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws, look here, into their hearts. Does everybody see that? The law is not our salvation, but his law is in our hearts. And in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So let me ask you something. If you can lose your salvation... Okay, got a question for you. You can lose it. What's the Bible say that the Lord says to them that are lost? So you're saved and you lost it. You was fixing to get hit head on by a truck. Last thing out of your mouth was probably not praise the Lord. Okay? Hits you, kills you instantly. You just sin right before your last breath. So if you can lose it, now you're, you're lost. When you stand before God, the Bible says those who are lost... The Bible says he'll look at them and say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never. Well, if they were once saved, he knew them. Light bulb, anybody? Has anybody had a revelation? I never knew you. Wait a minute. I was saved right before I slipped up. But he said, I never knew you. That's just one of about 10 million instances. 
I can prove to you what we just read is more than enough. Our sins and iniquities, why I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. I love verse 19. Look with me. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the what? So we just read over here that the blood and bulls and goats, it was not possible, verse number 4, for them to ever take away sin. We understand that's all that Old Testament had. That's all them priests had. And they took taken a chance on dying every time they went into the holies of holies. But that was then. This is now. So things that are different are. And so how do we have access into the holy of holies? Verse 19, by the blood of Jesus. By a what? Verse 20, by a... So that's not the old one then. Y'all act like Presbyterians again. I mean, somebody, I know I'm teaching, but dear God, the new, the new and living way, which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say His flesh. So how did God break the barrier? Through and by His body or His... Verse 20, last word. He became sin for us who knew no sin. He put on what we are. That's how we were paid for. He was 100% God, but don't you ever forget, He was 100% man. I preached on bitterness, and I preached on how Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them at Calvary. That was not just to look spiritual. He was a man just like we were. And when He looked down there and only one of His disciples who supposedly had forsook all and followed Him, only one of them made it to Calvary? You better know that he was hurt inside. And if he wasn't careful, guess what would have crept in? You better know when he prayed that it wasn't just for them Roman soldiers. Mm-mm. Covered all bases. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, look at verse 21. Actually, I got further in the introduction the first Wednesday, but whatever. Verse 21, having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our conscience sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he that it, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another, provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. So much the more as you see that they approach us. So these are the things that I'm talking about that applies to us, that we can make application. This is applying to, I mean, you can't say that we, we can't make an application and then tell everybody we've got to be at church and quote Hebrews 10, 25. Does everybody understand what I'm, where I said when I said that? Yeah. All right. All right, so, oh my. Let's go back to Luke. I want to show you something here. Some of y'all was here for this. Some of you wasn't. Book of Luke. So, does anybody know during the three days, three nights, again, salvation is not the same. The Bible says this about Abraham, that that, uh, uh, it was counted unto him for righteousness. Um, And we understand that when those Old Testament saints died, can anybody tell me where they went to? Abraham's bosom. Is Abraham's bosom heaven? Why? I've told you 7,000 times. Why is it not the same? 
different. It's not heaven. It's not that city. It's Abraham's bosom. What is Abraham's bosom? Where is Abraham's bosom? It was heaven. I know. I've heard this. Abraham's bosom is just called something different. Okay. So in order to say that, I'm going to show you in Scripture where it's located. It's in hell. It's in hell. Look, 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 look with me in Luke 16. There's only one thing separating that place from hell and fire. Look at Luke 16. Look at verse 22. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham far off. Well, I mean, he just looked probably up into heaven. Keep reading. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray therefore, Father, that would send him to my father's house, five brethren, so on and so forth. Abraham's bosom, hell. Abraham's bosom is in the heart of the earth. That's why, and I'll read some other if we got time. That's why when Jesus, what did he do during those three days and three nights? He preached two messages. The Bible said he preached to those spirits in prison, and the Bible said he preached captivity. He preached. He preached. Uh, how's it say it, brother Dax? To the captives. First Peter three. First Peter three. Let's look there. Yes. So he preached to those in hell, condemnation. Okay, condemnation to those in hell. You're condemned. He's condemned already. Condemnation to those that are in hell, but he preached liberty unto the captives. And the captives were what? Those in Abraham's bosom. The only thing separating the two was the great gulf. Great gulf fix. Let's look in 1 Peter 3. Things that are different are not the same. 1 Peter 3, verse 19. All right, here we are. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The light figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of good... Conscious towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who's gone to heaven, so, so on and so forth. Alright? So he's preached to those in hell, condemnation, and he preached Calvary. What did he preach in Abraham's bosom? That I have died, I have shed my blood, and I'm going to rise again on the third day. And when he rose again, who rose with him? Who come with him? Yes. Where did they come from? Yes. They was how many of them? Come on, somebody. Excuse me. They were seen by how many? That's what I meant to say. 
500. 500 witnesses. It's not just seen Jesus, but he's seen them captives that were set free from Abraham's bosom. And when he ascended to the Father, they ascended with him. That ain't how we got in, folks. You can tell me all day salvation's the same. I'm looking saying, not according to that book, it ain't. Things that are different, not the same. Have I said too much? Hmm. All right. I had that in my notes right here. If I'd have just scrolled down, I had the verse, First Peter three. Um. But oh well. So let me just pause right quick. Anybody got any questions? I'm trying to just be as simple as I know how and slow as I know how. And I know we've not got into the nitty gritty of the dispensational salvation, but you have to see dispensational. You have to see divisions. I have to show you those things before we can get in. And there are a few things that, that are common when it comes to salvation. Look here. I know it ain't the same, but it did take the blood for all dispensations. Now, they didn't believe on the blood like me and you did, in the sense that Jesus died like, like what we do, that gospel been preached. He had to preach that to them in Abraham's bosom. That's different than how we have been taught and preached to. But the blood is what covers the sins. And they got to Abraham's bosom by faith, good works, and all that. But the only way they were pure and could be released from Abraham's bosom and go into heaven, captives were or captivity were set free. Was to believe the Lord, to believe the gospel, just like, yes, ma'am. No, we read it. it. Talks about the reason why he he dealt with all those who died in the days of Noah. Look, look in, uh, look in First Peter three. Look at verse nineteen. We'll read it again. 1 Peter 3, 19. We'll be done right here as far as I'm going to go. I didn't even get as far as I did the first time. But Bible said, By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. That's those in hell. Which, so it's talking about the same people. Sometime were disobedient when once the long, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. So they had an option too. God sent them a preacher just, you know. Noah preached for 120 years. God's fixing to flood the earth and destroy the whole place because of sin. He's fed up with this place. And if y'all want to be saved, of course it's not the way we're, you know what I mean. But if you want to be saved from the flood, then you've got to get on the boat. Well, they laughed at him for 120 years. He had zero com- converts. None, 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 none. And so also I want to make just a little detour right here. Don't ever judge whether our church is 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 doing right or whatever or, or pre you can't do all that by, by looking at well we ain't had nobody saved in six months. Well Noah didn't for 120 years. Yeah. Right. He was a dead sinner in the will of God. And so that's all the Lord's business. We can preach till the cows come home. Only God can save anyhow. And so anyways. But do you see that? That's why they they done made their mind up. They care less. They don't want God. They didn't want nothing to do with God. God sent them a warning, and they could have hopped on the boat and, you know, went through and kept, you know, I, 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 they made it all the way through. Probably some of them up into it. They lived for 900 years, for I don't know how long. 
And so some of them made their way into, you know, the law and could have, but they rejected it. Anybody else? 